Welcome to another of the 10-Minute Could Street podcast. I'm Gary Wolf, and tonight I'm spending 10 or 15 minutes or whatever it turns out to be with the World Fantasy Award-winning and incredibly busy Nettie Accor. <laughs> so how, how, how are you doing during the lockdown? From what I see on Twitter and Facebook, you're doing everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. It's... um. A good kind of busy, though. A good kind of busy. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not slowing you down. I mean, some people find themselves scattered. They can't concentrate on projects. You've got like six projects going on. I don't know how many different uh, platforms, Hulu and Netflix and, 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 and <laughs> comics and novels. And, uh, and it, is it the deadlines that keeps you going? Uh, actually, no, it's like um, I'm the worst. Like when it comes to deadlines, mm-hmm. the deadlines in my head are stricter than any deadline anyone can give me. Ah. So it's like, um, it, it's, it's, but it's not just that. I mean, I really enjoy the projects that I'm working on, but also when all this really happened, I was, you know, the momentum was already there. Like the mm-hmm. projects that I was working on were already all moving forward oh, all I, at the same yeah. time, all like full steam ahead. So, so it was, and, and it's been, um, it's been good because I am like this kind of thing, you know, with the, the with COVID-19 and everything yeah. that's been going on. I am a big worrier and I am like I was already prepared like like two months before it all got crazy. So, so. You, you were ready to hide out before. Yes. Was, that's yes. that's yes. probably a good. Are you finding any time to get any reading done on your own? Um. It's like, well, some of some of the okay, so I've got the projects that I have going, and then there are also potential projects, and some of uh-huh. the potential projects have required some heavy reading, like heavy. Oh. One of them required like reading four novels, and I did. So, <laughs> a lot of my free time, my free reading time, has been reading stuff for these other potential projects. But I can't say what they those potential projects are. But I can say that the reading that's required from them has been fun. Oh, you can't tell us what the reading is either. <laughs> no, if I said what the reading was, you'd be like, oh, my God, you know exactly what you, you I, uh, know. Oh, yes, I, well, you know. You're, you'll leave us all, all, all guessing on that. <laughs> yeah. Although some, some things we know about. We, we, mm-hmm. we, know, we, we know that you uh, had spent time reading Octavia Butler earlier. Oh, uh, yes. Certainly is one of one of your people, and I remember. Actually, actually, I know stuff I shouldn't know because I know what was on your reading list for your dissertation. Yes, <laughs> yes, you know, you you actually helped to create that reading list. So yeah, oh, yeah thank you, know. you. <laughs> Who would who would you turn to if you had time? Let's assume you had some time to just turn to for comfort reading. What would you turn to? Um, what I what I have um turn to for comfort reading because even with that the heavy reading that I have for um, my own projects I still right. you know find some time to do some pleasure reading I always have time like fine even if it's only 15 minutes right before I go to sleep but yeah. what I what I've been reading um has been uh one of the Moomin books <laughs> Moomin which one was it uh, Moomin Valley Madness I think that one. Oh, really? You, you know the Moomin books? To, uh, Tove Janssen? I was, Tove Janssen. I was in yeah. Finland and Sweden when they were, uh, they were everywhere in Sweden. I mean, yeah, you I'm can't sure. get away from it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like, she's, you know, her books, have, they always have this very calming effect 
on uh-huh. Monday. Like, so, because, uh, you know, with everything that's been going on, it's been really stressful to me. I'm one to worry, and my, my science fiction writer brain just goes down, re- like, reckless, horrible paths. With I can see that. I yeah, can... so I'd need, like, serious distraction. And that that's one that I've uh, returned to. And then there's always my, my comfort novel that I read just all the time over and over again. It's um, Stephen King's Talisman. I just, <laughs> I've been reading that book over and over again for, like, many many years it's like well let's, uh, yeah. let's, let's let's give full credit to peter straw and peter that. straw of course yeah yeah yes and that is yeah i mean that's that's another one that uh should have well talisman and the uh sequel black house mm-hmm. i know they've been talking off and on for years about turning yeah. to a miniseries and it just it probably will happen eventually but you're right that's a kind of classic american epic quest which is also really horrifying in places yeah yeah horrifying which, uh, but like I don't know. I don't know. Something's comforting about it. Maybe it's the familiarity. I don't know. Um, it could. It could be. But that's uh, that, that's kind of great. I, I wonder if Anya picks up on your reading habits. I mean, is she a Moomin fan now? Um, not so much. <laughs> Anya, actually, what she's reading right now, she's reading Lagoon, which is funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> she's like her. She's a very very picky reader. But uh-huh. I, but I'm I'm proud to say that she likes my books. She likes my books, so yeah. Well, right good. now she's reading Lagoon. Excellent. Do you have books that you would recommend? Things, um, I mean, The Talisman might be one. A lot of people might not find that book comforting. But what would you <laughs> su- what would you suggest to people that they might find as something to read in times of stress? Um. Well, it depends on the kind of person because, like, if yeah. some people like to look the beast in the eye, mm-hmm. you know, and and They'll go to a lot of the uh, the post-apocalyptic yeah. um, novels. I, I, I've had a hard time. I, I'm getting there where I can look at them. But if, if you're that kind of person, then I guess you'd have to read Parable of the Sower right yeah. now. That's the one to go to. If you want something that's similar, like that, that is what could happen here in this country if things go just a little bit more the wrong way, that's the one. Um, that's the one to read. Um, and there's, I hear the I hear the graphic novel of that is very good too. Yeah, I haven't read the graphic novel yet, and I I, I was going to, and then COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and I was and, like, I can't even think about that book right now because well, it scares me. Deeply. That's the reaction I'm getting from people. Or people are either they want a lot of people are reading Station Eleven, they're reading Parable of the Sower, they're reading. Uh, Mary Shelley's The Last Man, for that matter. Yeah. And then there's another group of people that will read anything but those. You know, yes. anything anything that's sort of pastoral and friendly and where the world is normal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. know if anybody falls in between. But speaking yeah, of, your own, uh, of the things you can tell us about that are coming out, because mm-hmm. I know some of this stuff is announced, some of it isn't, some of it's secret. And to be honest, I can't keep up with you. <laughs> I know I can barely keep up. I mean, I keep up day by day because uh-huh. there's so much. I have a um, I have a dry erase board where I literally have had to write out all of my projects, uh-huh. and I look at it. I walk by and look at it very often because there are. I have so many balls in the air right now that I'm that I'm juggling that it's just. Um, I wouldn't say it's overwhelming because I'm handling it, but it's a lot. 
it's a yeah. lot. It's a lot of story, and and it's funny because I don't get the narratives mixed up at all. Not at all. That's amazing. That. Yeah, yeah. But it's really not because, like, um, I remember when I learned how to do that. It was during my PhD. Like when I was oh. when I was reading for exams, I remember there were t- there were several weeks where I was reading. Th- it was th- four books at the same time. Yeah. Four books at the same time, and then the one of those four was always a pleasure reading book. So it's like, and I was juggling all of those narratives in my head. And I never got any of them confused. I, so wonder, like, if that, yeah. I wonder if that's an effect because I think that's a standard thing in PhD mm-hmm. programs. Mm-hmm. You have like four special fields mm-hmm. uh, and, and you have to read in channels. You have to, I think you had science fiction and fantasy. You had mm-hmm. 20th century African literature. You had, mm-hmm. I don't remember, but I can mm-hmm. see that reading kind of in parallel uh, would, would be something you'd learn from an exercise like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that, like, that was when I learned how to do that. And now it's funny yeah. that I'm employing that like so heavily now. So it's well, finally, cool. finally, there's a Ph.D. skill that you can use yep. in the real world. <laughs> Actually, I feel like as a writer, um, going through the Ph.D. program helped me as a writer in mm-hmm. very unexpected ways, very unexpected ways. Like um, and I, I hated literary theory. I hated reading literary theory. Yeah. But like reading it helped me. I don't know. It did something to the way that I that I create story like it, it nourished the way that I create story. So like, really? in, in the, yeah, and there were several aspects of my Ph.D. program where it may not have been something that I enjoyed doing. It was like a requirement, but that huh. nourished my creativity in ways to come later on. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be the I wouldn't be the writer that I am if I didn't go through the PhD program, like full stop. And there's like, and I can't say, oh, it's a specific class or it's yeah. a specific thing. It was the whole process. It was the whole process. It definitely, it greatly affected me. Well, it sounds to me like you, if, if nothing else, developed habits of discipline from that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah. And you, know, you have to, I mean, having to read things. Uh, that you don't want to read, mm-hmm. which is part of part. It's part of going to college. It's not just mm-hmm. being right. Yeah. Uh, sort of. I mean, one of the things I find is uh, when I'm reviewing books is that. Well, I, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm at a point now where I don't have to review books that I can't finish. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, you realize, OK, learning how to read stuff on assignment is an important thing to, yeah. to learn. And you learn that in college. and You especially learn, learn it in graduate school. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, it's not easy. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's an oh. agony to it. It's really, it's tough. And yeah, that's where that discipline comes in. And that, that thing of not always doing what you want to do, yeah. you know, and, and not always knowing best as well. Like you don't always have the answers and, and, and a lot, you know, your professors actually are smarter than you. And, the, and you do have to sit and listen to them and consider what they're saying and, and just kind of stop questioning and sit back and let them, you know, let them teach you. I mean, that's that was huge for me. That was that huge. was that was huge. But I can. Uh, there's another side to that too, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. learning that your professors don't have the same perspectives you do, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that there are things you knew, know that they don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that came for me. That came later on, and mm-hmm. I'm glad it came later on because if it came too early, I think it would have hindered the other thing. You it know? could. Be. But, it could be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but but nevertheless, I mean, we we could we could go on talking about reading in graduate school for a long time. But I want you to tell me 
at least a couple of things that you can talk publicly about that, mm-hmm. that you're working on. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, on the novel front, I just finished a I just finished an adult novel called Nor, and my my editor is reading that. Um, Nor. Yeah, N O O R. It means the apparently it means lots of things because I know when I tweeted it, tweeted the title, everyone's like, "Well, that means this in this language." That I'm like. That's okay. what I was going to say. It sounds like a, a it sounds like it means something in Hindi. Yeah, it it, pro- it probably means something in many languages. It's N O O R, so it's like a simple. It's a simple word that, yeah, easily could have right. lots of meanings. But like, um, in this case, it means light in Arabic. And ah. uh, God, there's so much. I can't. I'm not going to talk about the book too much because it's like okay. it's still very much. Um, it's very fresh. But that yeah. one's. Uh, so I, I recently finished that. Um, that's probably going to be go through an editing process for a, for a while because my editing process is always very long. Always. Yeah. That's longer yes. than the writing of it so there's that um in uh august i have ikenga coming out which is my middle grade um african jujuist novel <laughs> it's fantasy oh, really? but it's like it's more than that yeah it's a, uh, it's it's about a boy who is given an ikenga that's the easiest way to put an ah. ikenga is a is an it's like an object for to make it really simple it's an Igbo object of strength, and it's it's typically male. It's a very ah. male object, and so like this this is my first male character in a in a novel, and um, yeah, so this is middle grade, huh. set in present day Nigeria. Um, that was important, not just Nigeria, Emo State, so southeast specific place, <laughs> specific character, specific uh-huh. culture. So um, that comes out in. Um, August, I think, unless it's been delayed, but so far it hasn't been. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, great. Then um, they recently announced that I have a novella coming out called Remote Control. That's with Tor.com, and that okay. one's um, that one is scheduled for January, and that one's science fiction, African Jujuism, uh-huh. or no, African Futurism. That one. That one's African Futurism. Oh, that's something. Yeah, that's, that's a phrase we we should mention that because you you mentioned several times that African future. African futurism is not the same as Afrofuturism. Right, correct, correct. And I wrote, um, I actually wrote a, a very short blog post um, defining it. And so, like, I'm not going to define it now, but if you really want the definition, go to the blog post. It's very easy. Just okay. African African futurism, one word, no capital S, just African futurism, all one word. And there's a reason for that, and that's explained in the my um, blog post as well and there's a reason why i i yeah it's all explained no it's 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 a it's a it's a fascinating and completely valid discussion i think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and like the reason why i always refer to my blog post as opposed to saying it is because if i say something right off the top of my head and i get it wrong someone's gonna hold me to it really hard oh yeah you know like there's a definition stick with that and yeah um but but yeah remote control is that so african futurism is a subset of science fiction so that's you know so remote control remote control basically is science fiction it's set in near future ghana and um ikenga is set in present day um Uh so so those are the the books that i have coming out uh and then in terms of the tv stuff Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So like, this is okay. So I have several 
TV projects. So the first one was the first one that I had optioned was Who Fears Death, which is from with HBO. It was optioned by HBO. Right. I'm a consultant for that one. Um, the writer of the pilot is now Ida Kroll. Um, we've we had a previous writer, but you know we felt that we need to go with Ida Kroll for that. Um, and right. so that's where we are with that. That's for the pilot. If what it's a long story, but like yeah. Yeah, I remember. I'll, I'll yeah, I remember years ago that was optioned by somebody else, and I don't know if you want to. Yeah, years ago it was optioned. Um, it was optioned by a producer, and it was with me writing as right. a film, as a film, and the process. And they paired me with a a very a seasoned script a screenwriter who I won't name, and uh-huh. um, it was a very painful process. I could imagine. It, was, it jaded me like. Like as as my first screenwriting experience, that was not a good way to start because uh, this this screenwriter is he was male. Um, I the the phrase that always sticks out for me was he said that Who Fears Death had too much estrogen in it. Oh dear, my yes, God. yes, yes. I, it, that upset me so much I couldn't sleep. And very few things mess with my sleep. That one messed with my sleep. I was extreme. Extremely wow. upset. He's like, so basically, too much estrogen. That that was exactly what he said. Too much estrogen. This book has too much estrogen in it, and that we need to um, remove some of the female characters and consi- and and uh, combine some of the female characters, and then add male characters. This and this was in the last couple of years. This is yeah. Recent. That sounds yeah. like the 1950s. It was horrible. It was horrible. So that like that whole process. And and the thing is. Because I was new to all of this and I was excited for this to happen, I'm like, oh, I really want this to happen. I actually tried what he said. Oh. And that's what did it. It was like I tried it and it made, it just broke me. So, like, okay, so that option ran out eventually because yeah. it was never going to work. And Eventually I was just like, I don't even want to do this, so I just let it die. And yeah. then HBO came around and wanted to option it again. And by then I was like, there is no way I'm writing the screenplay. Uh-huh. So that was that was how that happened. That's how I ended up being a consultant and another writer doing. And, and there are problems with not being the writer. So I've learned. I've there learned are, that. but you know, I mean, you you learn to do scripts. I remember talking once to Frank Herbert. I mean, there's another version of Dune coming out. Mm-hmm. I was on yeah. a radio show with Frank Herbert, and he had written. He was working with Alejandro Hodorowski, the Polish uh, director who was trying to make Dune for years. And Frank had written his own script, and he was really happy with it, and they had everything in the novel that he wanted in there. And the director said, "Frank, this is this is a really nice script. It's thirty hours long, yeah. and we're yeah. never going to make this movie. This was before yeah. the days of miniseries. So yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. so, but there will be a film of Who Who Fears Death eventually." Yeah, so right now it's gonna it's gonna be a TV series. A TV which series, is good. Yeah, which is really exciting. And um, you know, George R. R. Martin is the he's a co he's an executive producer. Right, yeah, I know. And then I'm an executive producer, and then we have two others. So we've been working together on that. So that's really exciting. So there so there's that. Um, but since then, I've also learned that I need to be in there writing as well. Like I uh-huh. I realize I'm like I need to develop a screenwriting skill if I want to get these movies if I want to if I want my work to be translated the way that I really want to see it I have to get in there so yeah yeah the next uh project that I had that has been optioned um was Binti 
So Binti was optioned um, by Hulu. And the cool thing was that, so Media Res is the production company that uh-huh. bought, that optioned it. And then Hulu came in as the studio. I don't know all the terminology, but Media Res optioned it first. And then Hulu yeah. came in. Um, and Media Res, when they came to me, they were like, we want you to write the pilot. You know, so I, at that point, I was like, hell yes, I will do that. Sure. <laughs> so, um, so I actually am co And then, then we, they were like, oh yeah, we want you to have a co-writer. And so we found a co-writer and um, Stacy Asie Cooper, who she's worked on um, Watchmen, she's worked on the awesome. Morning Show, she's awesome, and she also happened to go to my high school as well. Really? <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? HF from the area. Yep, she went to HF. Oh. Yep. <laughs> so HF is so proud. They're so proud. Oh, they should be. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, we're so we're we we've co-written the the pilot for Binti and like. I knew I needed to be the one in there. I needed to be writing this thing. Um, that was really, really important because the script that we wrote, yeah. If uh-huh. I were, well, Bindi is set up to be a continuing series. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. kind of makes a novel, but it's one of those things where you can see it going on season after season. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it I, translates I, well. It wasn't. Yeah, a hard it does. It's, it's a great character. It's a great setup. Sometimes I'm a little bit taken aback when I see a, a mini series of a novel that I've read, and the the first season is the novel, and then you see there's a second season announced, and I'm thinking, what the? I mean, the novel is over. What are we doing now? Yeah, I mean but, that's how it is though. Like there, there's when it, when you have a TV series, yeah. there's so much, and this is what I like about TV more than film, and this is why I started leaning more towards t- TV series as opposed yeah. to film. Um, things stretch out more. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it stretches uh, out like like a lot. There's so much space and well, that, and, that's right. yeah. I've yeah. talked. We were talking about the Talisman. I've talked to Peter mm-hmm. Straub a couple times. A lot of the things, well, all of Peter Straub's novels, Ghost Story and that sort of thing. Oh yeah. Could not make them. They made a bad movie out of Ghost Story, but it would have been a great miniseries. Yeah, you know, yeah. Had exactly. that extended format been there for some of those great novels, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to see the Talisman as a. I'd love to see the Talisman too. <laughs> that would be I'll, so I'll, fantastic. I'll pass yeah. that along to Peter, and I'm sure he'll pass it along to Stephen. <laughs> I'm sure he's thought of it already. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not as though it's a new idea. But you know what? We're running. We're running out of. Uh, oh, we're, boy, yeah. Geez, we're past 20 minutes. That's okay. <laughs> this is fascinating. One more thing you want to mention, and then we'll wrap up. Um. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. Okay. Um. Well, there's also Wild Seed. Wild Seed, which we're right. um, I'm adapting with Amazon Studios with Winuri Kahiu. Um. She and I, we are like working on several projects together. Um, she's basically my my main co-writer. Uh, and so that's been interesting to adapt to. So I've gotten to see what it's like to consult on an adaptation of my novel to actually adapt one of my own works and then adapt the epic um, work yeah. of like one of the greatest writers ever. So it's been really, in- I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, a lot, yeah. And when Harry had a film a few years ago that was... Mm-hmm. Uh, is still still available, I think, isn't it? Yeah, the short film Pumsy is Pumsy, uh, yeah. science fiction. Yeah, she has another film. Her most recent film, Rafiki, that was the one that, wow. First of all, that film was fantastic, but it was also banned in Kenya and just. Oh, really? Oh, because it's it's basically a, a, a romance between two women. And oh, oh yeah. Yeah, they didn't like that. <laughs> it was, boy, what she had to take, she had to deal with a lot of. Um, 
just a lot, a lot of politics with that in, in a way that I was like, I did not envy. It was tough, but she stood strong. And, but it's an amazing film as well. well. Well, one of the things I should say I've admired, and I've said this before in reviews, when you're dealing with uh, mostly Nigeria in your case, but there's, there's, there's a great deal of honesty about the real political and social and attitude mm-hmm. problems in those cultures, which you don't cover up. There's no romanticizing of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Certainly. And that's that's one of the that's one of the things that like when you're writing um, speculative fiction set in those places, it just it's like you can face those issues in a way face and bring forth those issues in a way where um, not that makes it easier, but makes it more uh, you're able to look at it head on in a yeah. way that's that you can't do in other when writing it just just uh i don't know um what's the word like not, i don't want to say realistic fiction i don't want to say literary fi- you know what i mean well, memetic fiction yeah you're not you're not trying to simply imitate what's there you're trying to i don't know expand on it yeah yeah bring it but forth. We, yeah we, we need to we need to stop because we're past way past our 10 minute mark uh so i want to again uh, thank everybody for joining. I want to thank uh, Nettie Okorafor for being with us for a 10-minute Cood Street podcast. Again, this is Gary Wolf, and thank you so much, Nettie. My pleasure. And-